Maybe that means you need to eat more fat. Maybe that means you need to eat more collagen or have collagen for the first time. That doesn't make you less than. It actually makes you greater than because you're listening to your body and you're honoring what your body needs. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella and it's me, Ella, and I'm here with Leanne. And Leanne, I'm so over-caffeinated, I'm spinning over here. <laughs> I forget what that feels like. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> You've been very tolerant, you guys. You know I always have a little chat with my guests before we go live, and Leanne's like, are you always like this? <laughs> Leanne, yes. The answer is a full-on yes. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> I love it. We're going to have fun. <laughs> Leanne, I'm already pumped, truly, because I have been looking forward to having you on the air for a while, and, and we'll get into why. But first, let's tell people who you are, because I know that you're a holistic nutritionist. I know that you are what you call, and I love this, a wellness activist, and you're the creator of Healthful Pursuit. And Healthful Pursuit has now manifested in a YouTube channel, in a podcast, podcast and in a brilliant book that I'm very pleased to share with everybody called The Keto Diet. Can you build a little bit on what I've said and tell everybody who you are and what you do? Yeah, you bet. So name is Leanne Vogel. I studied nutrition at CSNN in Canada back in 2007. So I've been at this for a while. And I really started it because I had a disordered relationship with food. And I wanted to understand what food did in my body. And then once I graduated, it was a uh, well, it's taken 10 years to get to this point. So it's been an evolution of my nutrition. I was a raw vegan when I was studying and uh, went over to veganism, then vegetarian, uh, and slowly, you know, making my way over to paleo. Uh, and then I found keto really at the a place in my life where my hormones were all wacky. Uh, and I hadn't tried that was the only thing I hadn't tried was more of a high fat, low carb eating style. And so that's when I kind of switched over the blog and told all my vegan followers like, Hey, um, so I'm not vegan anymore. <laughs> not even a joke. And that's kind of how the keto thing came about. But I've been doing this now for a decade and I've learned a lot about my body. Uh, and that's really the approach that I take in education. I am a woman in her 30s with a lot of hormone problems. Um, so I speak to the problems that I go through. And I think that's how I'm really able to find inspiration for my own work is just the things that I'm going through. And like you said, Ella, it's, you know, YouTube and my blog and podcast podcasts and these are the ways that I interact with people that want to hear more about how my body's responding, how their body may respond based on all the stuff that I know about nutrition up to this point. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Well, I thank you so much for being here because there are so many things I want to ask you about. And I was telling you, I mentioned briefly that before you and I set this time together, I went on social and I said, is anyone out there successfully low-carb vegetarian or plant-based keto or anything of that nature where you don't really dig the meat so much, but you t try to eat sort of a low-carb diet? And my feed blew up. People are like, please tell me more about this. Tell me more about this. And there were two camps, actually, Leanne. One was, yes, I'm doing this, and I would love to tell you about it. And the other, the other camp, if you will, was people who were like, I really want that. I want to eat a little bit more. I want more plant-based or almost exclusively plant-based. And I 
still want to be able to eat low carb. So that is a topic we are going to touch today. So I just want to let everybody know that. But that's not really what you're all about. What you're really about is what you call a high fat diet, but it falls into keto land. Can you tell everybody first what ketogenic even means? Yeah. So keto is a low carb, high fat eating style where we're going from burning glucose as energy. So if you're eating a lot of carbohydrates in the day, your body is burning glucose for its energy, but there's also an ability for your body to, um, drain the glucose in your body. So you lower the amount of carbohydrates you're eating to the point where your body switches into a fat burning state, primarily using the fat on your body as fuel or the fat in your diet as fuel or a combination, depending on how you want to go about things and what your goals are. Um, so that is a ketogenic state. That's where your body is burning fat as energy. And this isn't to be confused with ketoacidosis. Unfortunately, diabetic ketoacidosis has the keto word in it. So a lot of people think that nutritional ketosis is the same as diabetic ketoacidosis. We are not talking about diabetic ketoacidosis. That's a dangerous state that people, diabetics or those that have a physiological imbalance go into. That's not what we're doing here. We're actually keeping our ketones pretty low and we're also keeping our blood sugar really low as well. So that's kind of the difference of more of a glucose burning state to a fat burning state. And when you're in this ketogenic state, you're burning fat as energy all of the time. Your body burns fat. So it's, it's a wonderful state that I've been in now for three years. It helped me get my period back. I had amenorrhea for eight, over eight years. Um, and I wasn't ovulating and doctors said I would never ovulate again. And they were totally wrong because I'm doing it now. Um, I went off my ADHD medication. Uh, my moods are so much better on uh, my skin, my hair, my nails. I used to have really cystic acne. Uh, I do struggle with acne now, but nowhere near what it used to be. Like, oh my gosh, I will keep this acne forever if it means not having the cystic stuff ever again. So for me, it's been quite transformational. And there are very uh, different levels of keto. And what I specialize in and where I see that there's a big need is just using a ketogenic diet for overall health. So, you know, a ketogenic diet may be prescribed to a person that is going through cancer. That's not something that I specialize in. My version of keto and really where I focus in is using a ketogenic diet to boost overall health. And that does include for most people more plant-based keto than what other people may be used to because I come from that vegan space and the plant-based space. I just, I know my body feels better with a little bit of plants. So that's kind of where I go about it. Leanne, how is this different from a high protein diet? Something that it's confused with a lot, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a high protein diet doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be in a ketogenic state with high protein means you can also have, you can have low carb and you can have low fat. And there's, there's two pieces to becoming keto. The first is that you eat low carb. So a high protein diet will probably eat low carb, but the second piece is that you eat high fat and usually a high protein diet doesn't also include high fat. And so in order to get into ketosis, you need those two things, low carb, high fat. And if you don't have those two things, you're probably not going to become fat adapted. So that's kind of the difference um, where a high protein individual would probably eat maybe 40 or 50% of everything that they eat or all the calories that they eat is coming from protein. A ketogenic person would eat like 
80% fat. So you can kind of just see there's not enough percentages to go around on a high fat or on a high protein diet versus a high fat. So that's kind of the difference. We have talked about ketogenic diets before. We've talked about fasting and how that can sort of turbo you into a ketogenic state and you can receive some of the health benefits from that. We've talked about some of those subjects. So I'm not going to spend a great deal of time talking about what it means to be a fat burner versus a sugar burner, but I will put some links in the show notes, guys, if you want to dig deeper into the definitions there and understand that. What I think would be useful to talk about, Leanne, first, I kind of want to start with an overarching philosophy that I would be remiss if I I didn't share. And you guys, that's it. I don't think that this is the magic pill and that we should all be taking it. And guess what? Neither does Leanne. Is that fair, Leanne? That is so fair because I'm not your body. I can't tell you what works good for you and what doesn't. And my whole thing has always been if I meet people or if I consume a person's content and they're like, just do this and your life will be better. I run in the opposite direction because they they don't know and they don't know you and I don't know you. So I think with anything you consume on the internet or in person with friends around the lunch table, whatever, pick apart what you feel would resonate with you and run with it. And if it doesn't, then drop it and find something else. That's the beauty of being in control of your own body and making your own choices. So amen to that. I would never sit here and say, oh, hundred percent, just do this and your life will be better. That's silly. <laughs> I mean, I wish, right? <laughs> right? Like, so much easier. Wait, you guys, I found it. I found the thing. <laughs> yeah. It's always a bunch of different things that you piece together. And, and that's really, that's how I've approached my health now for, for quite a few years of just, yep, I like this. Nope. Don't like that. Yep. I like this. That's not working anymore. And just knowing that you know, when I was vegan at that point in my life, it was the best place for me to be given what I knew about my body. Uh, now, if I were to do that, I would not feel that great. But that's not to say 10 years from now, maybe I will be vegan again. Who knows what the future holds? And you just got to kind of run with it. And even with keto, it's changed over the last three years for me as I learn more about my body and my hormones change and just being open to that. Because oftentimes we get stuck in, no, 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 this is what I'm doing. And and that can almost put you back to where you could be if you just listened a little bit more to your body. So I totally agree with you. Yeah, I think it's so important to just remind ourselves that we have to be detectives. And, and I liken it to the idea that I have this toolkit and my job is to keep finding new tools and then sharing this whole toolkit with my community and saying, you guys check this one out. Did you know this existed? And this is what it could be used for. And they pick up the tools and they look at them and they see if they fit. And if they don't fit, they throw them back in the box and they pick up the next tool I might share with them. And so it's each of our jobs to figure out which tools work for us where we are. And you said something that I think is brilliant and worth highlighting. And that is that one tool to use my brilliant metaphor, one tool might work for you in one season and then not work Mm -hmm. for you in another season. Yes, totally. And even during the summer, I find that even on this ketogenic eating style where it's more high fat, low carb, I find that I don't eat as many carbs in the summer. They're like lighter carbs and I eat a lot of salads and things like that. Whereas in the winter, I'm eating a lot more fat and a lot more animal protein. And just knowing that about yourself and even to your cycle, like if you're a woman and you're listening and you're on a ketogenic diet or any diet, you may find that a couple of days before your cycle, you need more carbs. Maybe you ovulate and you need more protein. That's just the natural ebb and flow of your body. And it's important to listen to that and see, see where you land. 
Well, let's get into some of the detail, Leanne, because I have received several questions and I'd like to run some of them by you. And one of them, when I asked the question I told you about the social media posts that I, the question that I floated out there, somebody responded, at the end of the day, you can tell me that fat won't make me fat, but it's very, very calorically dense. And what she was really saying is, I think fat makes you fat. And and I want to kind of meet the people who are still stuck on dietary fat equaling the same thing as fat on your body, on your person. I think they should be named different things, but nobody, nobody oh, asked me. Oh, me too. <laughs> nobody, they forgot to ask. But Leanne, can you talk to us a little bit about just the basics on why that's a misnomer really to equate dietary fat with fat on your physique? Yeah. And you, you touched on a really good point. Unfortunately, they're named the same. Um, so people think that fat equals fat and something interesting about that question and something that's really not talked about in the ketogenic community is volume eaters. <laughs> and yeah, a hundred percent. If you eat what you're normally used to, like I'm thinking, you know, when I was vegan, I was a no fat vegan. So I went almost a year with eating zero fat. Oh my God. Did uh, your hair fall out? I'm not kidding. Yeah. I was a hot mess. Well, oh that's gosh. probably why I didn't get my period, but <laughs> That's a, a conversation for another day. But um, when I was eating that way, I really liked the volume in my belly. I really like feeling full. And 100%, this individual that asked that question, totally. If you eat the volume of your belly in fat, you will likely gain weight, not because you ate fat, but because fat is very calorically dense. So it's not that fat makes you fat. It's that eating too much of anything is going to make you gain weight usually. I mean, there's so many variants of this conversation. Like when I stopped calorie counting uh, and tried to get my period back, I was eating upwards of 7,000 calories a day and I didn't gain any weight. I just gained a period back. So there's so much more to this. And I think it really comes to, regardless of what macronutrient, fat, protein, or, or carbohydrates that you're thinking. I mean, at one point I thought carbohydrates were evil. And then I thought protein was evil. And, you know, I've kind of gone all over the place thinking that every macronutrient is evil and making me quote unquote <laughs> fat. It really comes down to what you're eating and how you're feeding your body. If you, uh, a little bit of tough love here, it's like, we've known for a very long time that fat is good, that there are certain fats that are beneficial. I think we can all agree that coconut oil has its place in our diet. And even 10 years ago, people would say that coconut oil was saturated. It was bad. Um, that there's a lot of misconception around coconut oil back then. But I think we're all in the camp of like coconut oil, maybe even avocado oil, oil or olive oil being good. Mm -hmm. If you are limiting your fat intake because you're afraid of your weight, I think maybe you have your priorities a little bit mixed up and maybe that works really, really great for you. And that's cool. Um, but for me and something that I learned about myself quite quickly when I started high fat is that my body was starving for fat, like every cell in my body, uh, needed that fat. And there's so much more like even coating our lungs. Like I have had pneumonia six times in my life. And those were six times during the time that I was eating low fat. And I think there's a huge correlation because fat is needed to coat the cells in your lungs to prevent you from getting disease. And, you know, by the time I was 20, I had had uh, six boats of this thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you kind of have to trade off and look at what the benefits are to the way that you're eating and how you want to feed yourself and look beyond your weight and uh, something that 
I noticed in this question was more of that caloric density. And yeah, if you're a volume eater, if you eat your volume in fat bombs, these like really fatty treaty things, 100% your weight is probably going to fluctuate because you're eating a copious amount of food. Whereas if you eat your belly size in kale, I mean, that's way less food, really. So if you're a volume eater and you're keto like I am, I have to eat a large amount of vegetables drizzled with fat in order to feel that volume in my stomach without, you know, killing the volume of my stomach in fat. So um, those are just a couple of thoughts that came to me uh, in regards to your question. And it is really unfortunate that in a lot of spaces, fat dietary fat still equals fat, but I urge you, if you really want to get into it is like, look up some of the benefits of eating fat and, and what it can do for you. And, and know that a lot of the studies, unfortunately, that were made, uh, when they were looking at saturated fat and demonizing it, where it was actually uh, paired up with trans fat. So they were testing saturated fat, but they added trans fat to that test as well. And then they just said, Oh, well, saturated fat is bad. Well, no, actually, it was the trans fat in the test that was making it look bad when really it wasn't the saturated fat. So there's lots of pieces to this. I can just go off of what I've experienced by eating this way. You know, you're improving your cardiovascular risk factors, strengthening your bones with fat. Uh, you're increasing your HDL cholesterol, um, assisting with the assimilation of nutrients. So you can eat kale salads all day, but if there's no fat on that, there's so many nutrients in that salad that mm-hmm. need fat in order to work. So Um, It's assisting with thyroid function, with weight loss, and encouraging your body to switch over into fat burning mode. So those are just a couple of ideas on what you could look at. (laughs) Well, let's talk about volume eaters for just a moment. And Mm -hmm. I love that you made the point, by the way, that some, you know, some of the really critical vitamins that a lot of us tend to be low in, A, D, E, and K specifically are fat soluble. When you are not consuming those vitamin nutrient foods with fat, your body does not absorb them nearly as much nearly as readily. So I think that that's yeah. a very interesting point to make. So let's talk about volume eaters because I struggle with this a lot. So I'm a volume eater and I like to feel full. It's something that I'd love to move away from. <laughs> I'd love to just like tone it down, but I'm active and I'm a big eater. So whenever I move into a higher fat, lower carb phase season, if you will, I really struggle because I'm used to stuffing my face, Leanne. Have you ever personally gone through this phase or have you ever helped anybody in that transition phase? And do you have any advice for us? Yeah, you bet. So uh, I am a volume eater. Hello, my name is Leanne. I like to volume eat. (laughs) I knew Um, knew we clicked. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I mean, three years ago when I first started keto, it was a big deal for me because I was coming from uh, first the... uh, incessant need to eat all of the time. That was a big thing for me. I had had hypoglycemia. So I was used to, uh, you know, every two, three hours having a snack, having a lunch, having a post snack, lunch, snack, second breakfast was a really big thing in our house. And so, you know, when I moved over to keto and then all of a sudden, I wasn't hungry, but I felt like I needed to eat. And then when I ate, I had to feel that volume. Um, It was a big (laughs) cluster for me because I didn't know how to handle it. So when you're switching over, uh, over to a ketogenic eating style, a lot of the pieces, and even if you don't switch over, a lot of the things that you're doing are because of habit and because it makes you feel good. So initially, 
uh, when I started keto, what I would do is I would fast. And you, you said that you mentioned fasting on the podcast before, so I won't get too much into it. But I would wake up in the morning and have some water or make some herbal tea. And I would fast uh, until around two o'clock. And then I would have a big meal to the point where I would feel full. And then I would eat in at eight hours from then and I would have a big meal and I would feel full. So if you're a volume eater, one way around the whole, I need to feel full all the time is just limit your meals to one or two times a day instead of six meals where you're volume eating and it's going to be a lot of fat and you're going to feel full all the time and it'll probably be pretty uncomfortable for you. I found when I started eating this way for quite a long time, I don't do so well with those volume meals, which is crazy to me that I would even say that because I love feeling that fullness. Now, for example, right before our call, I had uh, breakfast. Well, it's like lunch, but I call it breakfast because it's my first meal. Um, but I ate until I just started to feel just a tiny bit, like just satiated, but not full. And then I just packed the rest of the food away in the fridge. And that even me saying that I'm like, you lie. <laughs> like, there's no way that you could No, it's crazy, but it happens. And I could never, I could never do that before ever. Um, so I think it's just also being patient with where you're at right now and knowing that you have tools. So if you like volume eating, one thing you try is fasting so that you're only eating one or two times a day. And then you can really volume it because it's only two meals. It's not six, which is what I was used to. Another one is um, packing on things like lettuce, which are going to give you that volume, but not a lot of actual energy, but it makes you feel the fullness. Um, for some people, nuts and seeds really make them feel full. I mean, I could eat an entire bag of almonds and not feel full. So just, I think we might be related. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sister from another mister. Amazing. Um, so, you know, you kind of have to gauge what makes you feel full and how you feel full. And also what's your relationship to fullness? I know that when I've had a really hard day, uh, emotionally, I know after writing this book and coming back from the book tour, I've been eating a lot more than normal just because I think just like, what do I do now? Where's my life going? You know, there's all these things and I'm feeling restless. And so for me, I know that this is a really, um, emotionally sensitive time. So just paying attention to, am I turning to food to emotionally, you know, deal with something that I'm not actually dealing with? Uh, and just knowing like, what's your relationship to fullness and, and how does that make you feel when you're full and other, other activities in your life, like having a bath or cuddling with your dogs or going out with your kids, um, that doesn't revolve around food where you can get those same feelings that you want from fullness, but not actually from food. So that's kind of like more of an emotional piece. Um, but also really important when you're talking about your overall health, because health is not just your physical health. It's also your mental and emotional health and how that all intertwines. And when you're not feeling good mentally, you're probably not going to feel good physically. And you're probably going to make choices that don't align with your goals and where you want your health to go because you're not mentally there. So those are just some ideas that I have on on the concept of fullness, especially when you start eating more fat and it comes with more calories or more bang for your buck. Thank you for sharing that you still go through transition. The thing that drives me crazy about social media and even podcasts or everyone sounds like oh, they have sort of discovered too. the magic bullet and they're out here to share yeah. it, right? They're like, I found it. Let me tell you what it is for the low, low price of X. And, and, and it sort of drives me crazy because it doesn't. Now, first of all, if you find something that works for you, 
I appreciate your enthusiasm in wanting to share it with everybody else because what what better way to become an evangelist than to have experienced the transformation yourself? Like I 100% get it. But when we make it sound as though you can then get on the other side and then sit in a place of wisdom and tell everybody else how to get there, like that makes me insane. And so I love that you acknowledge that you too ebb and flow and that you too go through seasons. Yeah, that would be crazy if I said I didn't struggle. Every day brings with it something that is interesting and you just kind of go through it. And that's where you get like, at least that's where I get my inspiration to create the stuff that I do online. I, I honestly wouldn't know what to do if all of a sudden life was perfect and I didn't have any issues. I'd have nothing to write about because like, that's kind of how I go about things. It's just like, oh, shoot, this happened. How do I deal with this? And I'm human. And, and the same thing goes is like when people say that they figured it all out and just follow this, I run in the opposite direction. I, I also run in the opposite direction to people that say, I no longer have issues. I don't have cravings. You know, my life is perfect. I'm like, that is not a thing. It's just not, it's totally not. <laughs> and that's okay. And everyone is good at something. And it just so happens that I share information online about health. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm perfect and that any of us are perfect because we're all just trying to figure all this out. So I'm glad you see that. <laughs> Well, let me share a few more questions from people. So you touched on intermittent fasting, which is something that helps me sort of reset and get my cravings in check and something that we've talked about on the show to some extent. And my question for you is, if you are trying to make a transition into more of a ketogenic lifestyle, a high fat, lower carb lifestyle, do you ever recommend or see results one way or the other with people who actually go on a fast for a day or three days before they begin pursuing this lifestyle? Like, have you seen anything like that? Or do you think that's a hideous idea? Or do you have a point of view on that? Uh, I have a point of view. And I also think it's kind of a hideous idea at the same time. Um, okay. <laughs> You've just summed up fasting. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I enjoy intermittent fasting. So I just went on a book tour, went to a bunch of different places and um, connecting with uh, over a thousand people in person who read the blog and have read my book. It was so life changing and inspired me so much to come home with different ideas about how bodies react to things. And something that I found with fasting after speaking to people one-on-one -on -one during the tour was that a lot of people that have lower hormone problems don't do as well on fasting as women that have higher hormone problems. So let's say you have a menorrhea, you haven't had your period in a while, likely your body fat is pretty low. I wouldn't recommend um, doing fasting. But if you're say PCOS, you have high uh, any sort of hormone, you may respond really well to fasting. So I see fasting as being a tool just like anything, but imagine your body is in this carbohydrate fueled state and it's over here and it's burning carbs. And all of a sudden you're like, no, nope, no food. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to be like carbs, carbs. We need sugar now. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you, you know, transition over to keto, you're eating fat when you're hungry, you're being more gentle to your body, there will come a day, maybe on day eight or nine of eating keto, where you wake up and oh my gosh, you're not hungry. And it's like this the switch and you don't feel like having breakfast and then you get to work and lunch rolls around and you're still not hungry for lunch. That is fasting. That is a natural thing that comes about with keto and then you can use it as a tool. But if you go into the ketogenic diet and you say, I'm gonna start my ketogenic diet with a fast, yeah, sure. The first two days are probably going to suck really bad. And then the you third will hate day, life. <laughs> yeah, but you also need to pay attention to where your health is at. And also uh, for me, having had uh, many eating disorders in my past, I can't fast because it 
like that long because it brings up a lot of stuff for me that it's just not healthy for my mm-hmm. mental well-being. So you also need to pay attention to that. But I would say if you're interested in fasted or rather if you're interested in fasting and you're also interested in a ketogenic diet, my recommendation to you would be use fasting when your body wants it by just not eating when you're not hungry. <laughs> like, and that's a more natural way of doing it <laughs> than pushing yourself to fast. And you totally can, if yeah. you have some sort of, uh, imbalance or disease that you've read up on fasting is like the best way to do it, then do it. And what's the worst that can happen? You eat. Like if you can't do it, shoot, you eat and life goes on. But my, my experience has been that fasting comes a lot easier once you're fat adapted and then all of a sudden you're fasting and you didn't have to force yourself to get there, but different approaches for different individuals and what they're going through. But that would be my, my thoughts on fasting. (laughs) It just, it just sounds more natural and a little bit more intuitive. Yeah. I've done, I've done it both ways and it's pretty brutal when you just try and jerk your body into a fasted state. And it's definitely, definitely easier if you get there through sort of a low carb, higher fat approach. But what I actually love about what you said, which is really the cold, hard truth is you just get to a point where you stop eating when you're not hungry. (laughs) Yeah. Let's, let's call that fasting. (laughs) Totally. And that's okay too. And I know that many, many years ago I would, I would force myself to eat because it's like, oh my gosh, it's lunch. I need to eat. Otherwise my metabolism is going to slow down. That's actually not a thing. (laughs) So it's actually beneficial to when you're not hungry, don't eat. But if you go long periods of time. Like I know when I was playing around with different supplements and stuff, I went like three days without eating and I'm like, um, yeah, this isn't right for my personal body. So you also have to know kind of what, what is best for you and where you're coming from. And then in that case, I was like, okay, going to have some carbs, stimulate that appetite and I won't do that again. (laughs) So yeah, you just got to kind of see where you're at. Well, I'll wrap this up because I don't want to spend too much time on fasting, but I'll wrap this up by saying for those of you who are interested in doing the longer term fast to heal something in your body, that's not exactly what we're talking about here. And I, I have done a whole series on that, Leanne, but it is still much easier to get into that even three day or four day or five day fast uh, for healing purposes. Much easier to do that if you were not rolling into that from a high carb place. So we'll just, we'll just leave it at that right now. Okay. So another question that I got. I've heard that bulletproof coffee, and that's, I I think everybody and their mother now knows that that is coffee made with coconut oil or MCT oil, which is a derivative of coconut oil. So it's coconut oil and butter blended into your hot, hot coffee. And for those of you who have never tried it, it sounds absolutely foul. And for those of you who have, (laughs) you probably felt like it gave you superpowers. So the question is on bulletproof coffee or fatty coffee, I have heard that that can be detrimental for women because of hormonal impact. And Leanne, I know you have a point of view on this and a killer recipe. Can you talk about both? Heck yeah, I can. Okay. So (laughs) I agree with you when I started, well, when I heard of bulletproof coffee or fatty coffee, I was like, blah, that sounds so gross. But then you try it and your life has changed. Um, so because I I'm, need a cape because yeah. I can fly. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, so when it comes to butter, the first problem I have with, with the fatty coffee is that it includes butter. And for a lot of people, butter's no problem, or they don't know that butter's actually a problem, mm-hmm. um, because it's quite inflammatory. So what I see more oftentimes than not is people will drink these fatty coffees and then either their weight will 
vocal stall or they'll start dealing with like puffiness under their eyes or tight joints and they'll come to me and they'll be like, what's going on? And then I'll be like, it's the dairy and the coffee. Um, so that's the first issue that I have with the standard fatty coffee is that it includes dairy. A lot of people, you know, when, when you tell people to increase their fat, what's the first fat they increase? Uh, dairy. So then they have all this inflammation happening and maybe their um, cardiovascular risk factors aren't doing what they thought that they would do because of the inflammation in their body. Um, so dairy is the first one. And then you're right. It can be detrimental to hormone status. Uh, what something that I noticed is when I was just having fat in my coffee. So what I did is I mixed MCT oil with a thing called cacao butter and it's a fat from chocolate. You could mm. use literally any oil you wanted to, but I chose that cause it tastes like chocolate. And if you don't like chocolate, I don't even understand you, but <laughs> <laughs> there are people out there that don't like it. You could use whatever oil you want. But when I was doing that, I would have my fatty coffee and I would feel good for about 10 minutes and then I would crash, like energy crash. Mm -hmm. I'd usually need a nap. Uh, I wouldn't feel very good. And then about 20 minutes from that, I'd be starving. And this happened for like a month until I was reading some stuff on uh, hormones called leptin and ghrelin. Leptin and ghrelin are pretty interesting as well as our sex hormones. And for women, we need to pay attention to our sex hormones, especially when we're eating high fat, because when we're fasting for long periods of time, although it can increase uh, your ketones and all these awesome things, it can also, depending on where your fat percentage is, can stimulate your body to be like, wait a minute, we're not getting any fuel and this isn't safe. So we're just going to shut down mm -hmm. these hormones because this is dangerous. And if she got pregnant, I mean, we could die. Mm -hmm. So if you're eating these fatty coffees every day, you might not be signaling the correct signals to your body that says all is safe and good when it comes to your sex hormones or all is safe and good when it comes to your leptin. And leptin is the satiating hormone. So what I was finding is when I'd have that fatty coffee, I would get really, really sleepy. Um, that was mm. insulin and a bunch of things going on. And then I would get really, really hungry. And that was ghrelin, which is, I, I imagine it being like a goblin and he just like runs through your body. He's like, nom, nom, nom. I Sounds need all the like food. It. Right. And so that was the imbalance. So what I did is I started drinking what I now call rocket fuel latte. And what's different about a rocket fuel latte is it doesn't include butter and it also includes just a little bit of carbohydrates. So just three grams of carbohydrates to reset your sex hormones, make sure that it knows that like all is well and good. You don't need to shut down anything if I'm drinking this every day um, and 10 grams of protein or less. Um, and the benefit to that too is for the leptin and the ghrelin. And also by having that, you can also have your supplements in the morning. If you have supplements that need to be taken, in the morning. Um, this also gives your body a little bit to work with so you can have your supplements. Um, but by doing that after like three days, I no longer had the shakes after the coffee mm. and I no longer felt like I was going to fall asleep and I wasn't hungry and I could extend my fast a lot longer and feel better. So I was like, wait a minute, I should probably share this with people. And then I did. And it's one of the biggest uh, ingredient or one of the biggest recipes rather on healthful pursuit. Do I have your permission to share the rocket fuel latte with my people? Yeah, yeah, you bet. You can okay. link to it or whatever you like to do. Terrific. Totally. Okay, we'll do that. And I, because of you, Leanne, I bought cacao butter. Cocoa yeah. butter, cacao butter, cacao, cacao butter. Cacao is like more natural yeah. and it will taste better than cocoa butter, which could taste like nothing. That would just be shameful, just horrible. So if you all do not have that in your pantry, I will link to that and you can see what that looks like on Amazon and then you can find it wherever you want to. Okay, couple more questions. Yes. Let's talk veggie 
keto, do you know people, Leanne, (laughs) (laughs) who are primarily, predominantly, or completely plant-based keto? And if so, how in the hell? (laughs) Yeah, I do actually have quite a few um, previous clients as well as friends and people that follow me that do the keto, low carb, vegan thing. Uh, I agree with you. Like, what the hell? My body personally wouldn't respond well to it. I think because like I can't do nuts. I can't do a lot of seeds. I can't do beans. Tofu's totally off. I'm sensitive to soy. I'm on air and coconut oil. (laughs) I eat all of the meats and all of the fats. But if your body is meant to be vegan, chances are you have a higher carbohydrate tolerance than the normal individual. Like I meet with some people that literally if they eat 21 grams of carbs as opposed to 20, they will be knocked out of ketosis. They will feel like garbage. Their insulin will be all over the place. They're very, very sensitive to carbohydrates. Then somebody like, I know somebody like me, I can stay in keto at like 80 grams, sometimes even a hundred grams of carbs a day. And my body's like, yeah, okay. Those carbs were good. Let's get back to fat burning. So it really depends on the body. So somebody like me who can eat more carbohydrates, I find that they're best suited or they can be best suited for more of a vegan approach to keto because they can get away with eating more carbs. And my whole thing is if you can get away with eating more carbs, why wouldn't you? Because although we can say that, you know, excess carbohydrates is not so good for our body, there are individuals that respond better to more carbohydrates. I know when I go too low in carbohydrate, I don't feel good. So if you were meant to be vegan and your body responds to carbs really well, then uh, it becomes a lot easier for you to do vegan. If you're of the camp of if I go over 21 grams of or 20 grams of carbohydrates in a day, you can't do keto vegan. Like it's just not possible. I'm sorry. You're probably going to have to eat animal protein at least for a while until you get things figured out. But if you can get away with those carbohydrates, things that are more higher in protein, but also low carb are going to be nuts and seeds. Any of the protein powders like hemp, uh, pumpkin. If you're doing more of a vegetarian keto, I mean, things really open up by doing eggs or egg protein powder. Um, a lot of egg yolks, they're really high in fat and can also give you a lot of the vitamins that you may be lacking. Um, and then it comes to more of like the beans, like your black eyed, uh, lentils, lima, black, beans and red beans are going to be lower in carbs than other beans. Like for example, chickpeas are a lot higher in carbs than say soybeans. They're about double. Chickpeas are about double. So if you can find non-GMO organic soybeans like edamame and things like that, or tempeh that's been fermented and your body responds well to it, then have at it. And that can be your protein. And then the fats are really more of your plant-based fats. So coconut, avocado, olive oil, and just going for more of those fats. However, you know, it's a little bit controversial of a topic, especially for vegans, but I think that there are things that are missing in a vegan diet. One of them being collagen. You're not going to get collagen from your diet and it's super awesome to have it, especially if your hair is quite weak or your nails are quite brittle. Um, Collagen can be great. So I do have vegan friends that do supplement with collagen. And this goes back to the whole, you make your diet your own. And although it might not be vegan to have collagen, it might be more beneficial for your body to do it. 
depending on why you're vegan, if it's more of an ethical thing, then you're probably not going to do collagen and that's okay. Um, another piece is uh, B12. So if you're doing vegan for a really long time, and this was definitely my experience too, having come from more of a nutrition background, I was definitely doing vegan quote unquote right, but my B12 was really lacking and in plant-based foods, it's not as strong. So you could do B12 shots, that could be helpful. And then greens, greens have tons of protein. So um, anything like broccoli or kale or chard or any of those greens. And that's really like the main things of just, you really don't need that much protein. I think there's such an obsession of protein, especially a couple of years ago. It was like, bah, if you don't have a hundred grams of protein, you are going to die. Um, that might not be the case for your body. I know for me, my protein amount is about 60 grams a day that I feel best at. And so that's actually not that hard to hit that using plant-based foods really, but it is possible. It's not something that I, I have done personally, but I have met quite a few people that when they have the higher carb to tolerance, they're able to do it. Well, let's summarize a little bit. So I think I don't put myself in a nutritional lifestyle camp. If I had to, it would be vegetarian and plant-based just because I don't totally dig meat. I find it very difficult. I'm not going to lie. So I can't wait to talk to listeners who are doing this successfully because I, I can eat all the macadamia nuts in Trader Joe's and I will not be full. So like, <laughs> yeah, I think for you, it might be important to like go for more of the fattier drinks. Like if you do like bone broth or even coffee, we know you love coffee. So like adding some fat to your coffee and that can really boost up your fat without focusing too much on the meals. Because I agree with you with like vegan keto or vegetarian keto, you really have to, um, adjust. I know when I was a vegetarian, even a vegan, I ate all the time. And I agree with you. Like I can't, I can't do nuts because, well, they give me really horrible acne, but also I could eat an entire, like you, macadamia nuts with coconut oil on them and salt. Mm -hmm. I could literally eat my weight in that and never feel full and just keep going. So it's like a circus trick. Yeah. I wish I could get paid to do it's that. It's actually a thing. Like, no, no, watch. I can eat even more. Totally. Nope. Still not full. <laughs> If you're vegan, I wish somebody had told me this. I probably wouldn't have listened when I was vegan. But if you're vegan or insert thing here, if you are X, Y, Z, or if you're doing something, if it's not working, like if you're noticing things that just aren't working, you owe it to yourself to change it. And you might be the vegan who has really brittle hair. Maybe that means you need to eat more fat. Maybe that means you need to eat more collagen or have collagen for the first time. That doesn't make you less than. It actually makes you greater than because you're listening to your body and you're honoring what your body needs. So I think oftentimes we get so caught up in the label, like you said, like I don't enjoy labeling myself when it comes to my eating because I eat the way Leanne wants me to eat in this period of time. And sometimes I don't eat the way Leanne wants to eat me to eat because my emotions get the better of me. And, and that's all okay. Like food is... Food is just food and it's there uh, to nourish us and to keep us alive and we can use it to our benefit instead of always beating ourselves up over it, over the choices we are making or not making for ourselves. One of the things that you've done beautifully in the book is you've given different paths toward high fat mm. eating and you've done a really, really nice job of laying out what those paths look like and there's a magical magical term in one of these paths that I would like us to spend our last few minutes together with you explaining. And that is the term carb ups, low carb, high fat, but with carb ups. And I was like, of talk carbs. to me about carb ups and where they fit in a keto lifestyle, particularly I should think for someone who maybe is a little bit more active than your average bear. Yeah. And also people that are very, um, hormone depleted, 
or people that are really, really weak. So what oftentimes happens is when you adjust to the ketogenic lifestyle, it's a big adjustment. You're changing the way your body fuels itself. And for people that are very uh, tired, maybe they have adrenal dysfunction and they can't even get out of bed, going through that process of becoming keto adapted, while it can be very good for their uh, overall health, going through that process is almost debilitating even more so. So the carb ups play a role in that. And really what carb ups are is taking out the fat and putting the carbs in. And I, I started this approach when after six months of eating keto, my hair was falling out. I hadn't slept in six days. Uh, I was grumpy all of the time. I would watch my husband eat a carrot and just like drool and watch him and drool. And (laughs) it was just, yeah, exactly. And so my approach was just, okay, I know that this keto thing is working because I've gone off my ADHD meds and my hormones are doing really good things, but, uh, my hair is falling out and also I haven't slept in six days. And so the carb ups really came in a place where I knew that I needed carbs and by taking out the fat and putting the carbs in specifically in the evening time, I was, uh, not dealing with the blood sugar highs and lows that we often experience when we're having carbs like in the afternoon where, you know, you have an apple and then you want even like more strawberries and you get home and then you want, I don't know, a sweet potato and just a constant, um, hunger for carbohydrates. So by having those carbohydrates at night, you're sleeping through those cravings. You're sleeping through the lull, um, that your blood sugar can often do after carb. Uh, and also you're resetting your leptin. So what oftentimes happens and how I know that I need a carb up is I'll wake up in the morning and I'll feel hungry. And that's my sign of, "Mm, I think my leptin ghrelin stuff is doing some funky stuff. So that night I'll take out the fat from my meal, most of it, like I keep a couple teaspoons in, put in some carbs like sweet potato, plantain. Uh, Sometimes I'll do like apples in a salad. Uh, And then I'll sleep and I'll wake up and I won't be hungry and I'll be able to usually extend the fast the whole day. Um, So that can be beneficial there. And also with your hormones. So by incorporating this carb up practice, I got my period back in nine months. And again, I went to specialists all across Canada. Like I'm not even kidding. We went to Toronto and Vancouver and all over the place trying to find a solution to my hormones and nobody could offer a solution. And they just said that I was broken and that's the way it was going to be. So to be able to ovulate, um, and also regulate my cycle this way, um, has just been so beneficial. And you're right too, Ella. It's, It's also about your activity level. So if you're doing more anaerobic training where it's more high intensity interval training, you can use these carb ups to your benefit, whether it's right before the training or right after the night before so that you can uh, bust through some of the plateaus or even build up muscle. If muscle gain is your um, goal, having a carb up right after a lift, oh my gosh, your muscles are going to be so huge. So You know, it's just about using carbs to your benefit because oftentimes we get so caught up in like carbs are bad, carbs are bad or fat is bad. It's like, no, let's like use it to our benefit and what we're trying to accomplish. So I love carb ups. I do them maybe once a week right now, but it changes. Sometimes it's every day. Sometimes it's once a month. It's just like you said, the seasons, it changes and just having that in my back pocket. Well, Leanne, thank you for writing the definitive guide for any human being who wants to learn more about eating a lower carb, higher fat diet. One of the things that Leanne has done just so beautifully, you guys, is she doesn't just tell you, she shows you in pictures. I mean, girl breaks it down. She will tell you more. There's more detail in this book 
than in eight of the past sort of nutritionally focused books that I've bought. I mean, it's, I, I literally just started taking pictures and posting them on Instagram of, page, <laughs> of pages of your book. And I'm like, pretty sure I'm violating copyright ro- laws, but I'm really thrilled with this stuff. Okay. So Leanne, you have written a book called The Keto Diet, The Complete Guide to a High Fat Diet. It's got more than 125 recipes in it, but it's the quintessential guide for moving anyone closer to a higher fat, lower carb diet with a thousand resources all shared in pictorial form. You knocked it out of the park. Good job. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it was a big project. (laughs) It is. It's a big book. And I'm going to share this with everybody. I want mostly I want people, no matter what their nutritional lifestyle, I think they'll benefit from it just because the recipes are simple. They are whole food based. And who can't use more nutrients and more good healthy fats in their diet? So I am, I'm a huge fan. I'm going to share this. Leanne, tell us where to find you because I know people will want more. Yeah, you bet. So you can find me on my blog at healthfulpursuit.com. And um, you can find the book in most bookstores. And uh, it's big. It's four pounds. So when you get it while you're making food, you can just like do a couple lifts and... Uh, <laughs> you know, do a couple of like bench press things. You'll be great. (laughs) How did you know? Leanne, I'm going to link to this book in the show notes for this episode, but I'm also going to link to an episode that you did on how to do keto in a vegetarian lifestyle. So I will share your work there. Leanne, thank you so much for your time. This has been fun. Yeah, you're the best. This was so great. This is probably the funnest interview I've ever had. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Talk to you later. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.